Shane Foxman sitting in for Ben this week. Uh, thanks for spending part of your Friday evening with us on Earth Day as we continue to look at uh, uh, different people and organizations that are trying to do what they can uh, to make our planet a, a better place. Uh, joining us now on the line, a, a university student from Calgary, the uh, School of Engineering. Uh, they came up with a way to convert an ATV to solar, uh, which should be uh, very helpful in Canada's north. Uh, Austin Bercier joins us on the line. Austin, good evening. Good evening. How are you? I'm great. So, uh, let's talk about this first. Why, why the ATV? What what made uh, what made this the project? Yeah. So, I guess for a little bit of background, at the University of Calgary, uh, Calgary, similar to every other university across Canada, in engineering, you completed capstone in your fourth year, and this is basically a, a year long assignment that's meant to serve as an all encompassing experience that basically challenges every aspect of what you learned the past four years. Uh, as for the project origins, uh, myself and another teammate, Jasmine McDermott, both of us belong to Indigenous communities. Uh, she belongs to the Sawridge Cree First Nation, and I belong to the Métis Nation of Alberta. We wanted our capstone experience to have a certain degree of Indigenous influence, um, as well as a healthy mix of hands-on and theoretical application. Generally, these capstones are very uh, have a large emphasis on just research-based, and there's not really much hands-on. Um, so we met with our academic advisor, over the course of a year, bouncing off about a dozen different ideas, but we settled on this one, which was proposed by our industry sponsor, Dr. Harry Penn. He is the manager at the Kluane Lake Research Station. Uh, it's approximately two and a half hours west of Whitehorse, Yukon. Um, yeah. For the background, so they, they had at the Kluane Lake Research Station, it's powered by their solar grid. Um, they had a gas-powered ATV, and he wanted the option to basically charge this ATV off his solar grid. Uh, so the aim of the project was to develop an off-the-shelf conversion kit that Indigenous communities local to the Kwane Lake Research Station could also use if they wanted to convert their units if they desire. So the main driver for the conversion was it had to be simple in nature. You know, anyone with moderate level of mechanical inclination could perform it, as well as we wanted to use local supply chain avenues within Canada, meaning basically every part of the conversion you could get in Canada. That's okay. So that that works great in the, in the sense of, you know, you need pieces, you need parts. When we 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 we're so aware of supply chain issues, and plus getting things up north sometimes too, the the cost and expense is crazy. How for people that don't understand an, an ATV in certain areas, uh, that's like their car. That's what that's the key part, uh, the key transportation. Exactly. That's how they basically get things done around their around their house. So what was the what was it like when you first start going, okay, it's not like just we need to build it, we need to make it in a way that other people can use it and do it themselves so it becomes actually usable and productive? Well, yeah, that was the biggest challenge was basically, you know, identifying, you know, the, the cheapest uh, supply chain avenues, but not also the cheapest. You also have to take into account quality because you also, it is up north, the conditions aren't, you know, we're used to here in, uh, you know, southern Alberta or out in Vancouver where you are, like it's, you know, it's a completely different environment. So we had to take those things into consideration. And basically every major design um, uh, design uh, condition that we accounted for, that took into account that. Uh, I would think too, like how many starts and stops did you have? Did you, was it times where, oh, I think we've got this and then, oh no, that won't work. It's minus 30. It, there. it was, it was it was a, a lengthy process. Like I said, it's year long. So the first semester was really identifying the design. You know how 
what we're going to do to weatherproof it, all that stuff, and, you know, identify the procurement, so who we're ordering from, what we're ordering, how much it's going to cost. So we, we ordered actually everything back in late November, early December, you know, with the promise that we're going to get all our parts in January, you know, plenty of time to work out any kinks, but we actually didn't get our parts until the end of March, uh, and the conversion had to be done uh, just about two weeks ago. So we had a two-week window of turnaround time to get it installed, work out all the kinks, and then the units sent back to the Yukon. What what was that two like? First, before we even get to what that two weeks was like, uh, like a lot of people who have probably ordered uh, different businesses, different industries have all been running into the same problem. What was it like for you, again, when it's not coming? And it's not just, this is a project, this is your education, this is something you're hoping to do that will maybe transform people's lives. How, how tough was it waiting? And how often did you check the, uh, uh, you, what, what do they call it when you can check your uh, package? <laughs> how often did you check to see where it was in transit? I, I don't think the supplier liked me at the end of it. I was bugging <laughs> in just about every day. <laughs> but, you know, that, that downtime, it, it just gave us more opportunity to, you know, double check, triple check our design, you know, uh, make, make things kind of watertight so that, you know, when it did get here, we could, we could hit the ground running. And, and what was that like, Austin, when the stuff did get here and you go, okay, now we, gotta, we, we don't have a lot of time? Well, you know, was, sleep was a luxury. Um, we <laughs> yeah. are... It, it, you know, at the end of the day, it was some very late nights, you know, like I said, two weeks, you know, it, and none of us, so a little bit of team background too, we're, we're five mechanical engineering students and one civil. And, you know, this is a, a project that has a lot of emphasis on electrical circuits and, you know, none of us are masters of electrical circuits. So that was a great learning experience for the team. And, you know, everyone took away something of value from the project. Um, so when you, when you get it finished and what, what's the testing process like for something like that? Uh, basically we ripped around the university. We found, you know, just about every puddle snow pile we could find, you know, to basically test how it felt post conversion, you know, and, and the main thing about the conversion is that we just took out the internal combustion engine part. So that being the, the motor, gas tank, radiator, all that. And we, but we kept the transmission as is. We wanted the Kubota to feel the same. You know, you still got your forward, reverse, low, high, reverse, or I already said that, four-wheel drive, two-wheel drive. Yeah. So we just wanted to test to make sure it still felt the same. And actually, post-conversion, it was actually faster because generally electric motors do have a little bit more horsepower and torque uh, for the same size motor if you were to change it from right. gas to electric. So, uh, what's the, what it, it's solar electric? Explain to us how it works. Like yeah, just so in a sense, yeah. It's it's a fully electric ATV. So we took out all the internal combustion engine parts, like I said, and we basically retrofitted it with comparable electric components. So you've got your electric motor and your batteries. That's your two main big hitters. Um, the solar aspect comes into how it's charged, how we charge the battery. So like I said, at the Corning Lake Research Station, they have a solar grid. So you want to be able to charge off that. Uh, however, this can be charged off any renewable energy source, you know, albeit uh, solar, wind, uh, and more that they're experimenting with right now, especially at the research station, is biomass and geothermal, um, even the option of nuclear if you really want it. Um, basically, the main thing is that it's not just solar, but it's basically it can charge on any renewable energy system and i think that fits perfectly with you know today being earth day right yeah no absolutely um uh, forgive me this might be a silly question um uh, when there's sun for half the year or daylight for half the year and, and maybe darkness for the other half uh what are the options for can it store the solar power can it well that's that's what i mean how it, it's basically any renewable source. oh anything right 
solar solar does you know uh, suffer from intermittencies you know and being a yukon it's going to be dark for you know a better part of the year mm-hmm. so that's where some of the slack can be picked up by other renewable sources such as you know geothermal and, and all that stuff that doesn't really have those intermittencies Okay, that was that was the first thing that when I when I first heard about the solar uh, powered ATV, I thought, well, uh, do you just park it for half the year? That doesn't seem like that would be the way to go. Uh, Not quite yeah. Yeah. What uh, as, as you guys did the conversion and you say it, it's not just doing it; it's making it so it's going to be. Uh, doable for other people that it's not going to you don't have to have a degree to be able to put it together do you feel you were able to accomplish that i think so you know we've you know part of our deliverables for the for our capstone project was to make kind of a assembly drawing or you know ikea style uh manual on how to put things together uh as well as a parts catalog so you know anyone can pick up our parts catalog you know take a look you know you got your first thing you pick out is your motor, and that's coupled with with a controller. A controller is essentially just the brain of the motor, tells it how fast to turn, all that stuff. And then, you know, the second thing you'd pick out is your batteries. You know, do you want to go lead acid? Do you want to go lithium ion? You know, different. It, it all depends on your budget. And then, obviously, to round that off, you have your just your accessory components. You know, your throttle and all that stuff, and your wiring. So, how long would it take someone? Let's assume the kit works and you go, okay, how long would it take someone to convert their ATV? Um, you know, I would say definitely maybe a week, you know. Yeah. It, it, again, it, it depends with every person. Like I said, you know, it, you can do it with, you know, uh, introductory level mechanical inclination. But, you know, it's, I, I would say a week, maybe less. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Austin uh, Bercier is our guest, University of Calgary uh, School of Engineering student, him and uh, his team creating a uh, solar-powered, I guess, electric ATV. Uh, Very helpful in some of the remote communities. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk to you about just the feeling of, of, of giving back. And it's not like you're just coming up with something to make to, to put on the marketplace. You guys were thinking about something you could do that would help help communities and, and maybe give back to the community. So we'll continue our conversation with Austin Bercier when we return. I'm Shane Foxman. You're listening to a little more conversation. Uh, ben is off this week. My name is Shane Foxman. Thanks for joining us on Earth Day. Uh, we continue our conversation with Austin Bercier, a Calgary, University of Calgary student, uh, part of the School of Engineering, and uh, him and his uh, students, the team of them, converting an ATV to solar uh, power, which is uh, a huge help for some of those uh, remote Indigenous communities. Uh, you know, you mentioned uh, right off the top, uh, Austin, that you were, you know, you're of Métis descent, and I think Jasmine, you said, was Cree. Uh, how important was it for you to do something uh, that would help Indigenous communities and, and try to do something that would be of benefit? You know, it was, it was definitely huge. It was, it was definitely, uh, I guess a little bit of background. You know, Jasmine yeah. and I met uh, at, in first-year engineering. We actually were volunteering at an Indigenous uh, event for students in high school who were looking to pursue careers in, in STEM. And, uh, you know, we met totally by fluke. You know, we saw each other in the hallway and... We saw each other at this event and we're like, holy, we didn't even know, you know, each of us belonged to Indigenous communities. So, you know, basically just highlighting, uh, you know, what Indigenous folks can do in STEM was something that we wanted to do and, you know, hopefully promote and inspire other students to, you know, go into these STEM-related careers, whether it's, you know, uh, science, uh, technology, engineering, or math. You know, we just wanted to promote that. And, you know, we thought this might be the best way to to showcase, you know, Indigenous uh, knowledge in STEM. And what's been the reaction? 
Uh, it's been, you know, crazy. Like we've got lots of, lots of exposure, lots of media attention and, you know, hopefully, well, I guess for what's next, you know, we're all traveling to the whole team is traveling to Whitehorse, uh, next week. Uh, two, two of our team members are already there. Uh, myself and three others were traveling up on the 25th and then we're going to be attending the renewable and remote communities, uh, 2022 conference. Uh, it is a four day event focused on advancing renewable energy projects and to kind of accelerate an indigenous led clean energy transition throughout these remote communities across Canada. You know, the goal of our trip is, is to showcase our completed projects and give out rides to attendees. Um, but more importantly, net, network with, with stakeholders, key decision makers, leaders working in the space that can further elevate our project findings and, and, and basically just highlight our project as a whole and uh, promote what we found. No, and I, I think also when because it's tangible, it's you know as you say you want to you know you went to talk to other kids and high school kids about wanting to who's going to follow into STEM and is something they're interested in. It's great when there's something tangible to show and talk about uh, as opposed to theoretical to go. No, you can really make a difference, and here's something that we're doing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so what is next? So what's uh, you go up there? Uh, is there a chance to? How does it become, I don't know, what would it be, say, marketable, sellable, uh, retailable? How, how does it work from here? Uh, basically, we're just trying to find those avenues now to, to promote our, our project findings. You know, it's, you know, especially now with federal and provincial incentives, uh, specifically in EV technology, you know, we, we think, you know, as a team, we believe that these conversions uh, of this nature might become more attractive uh, as the years go on, as, you know, one battery technology advances as well as you know electric motor technology so you know the goal is to uh just network our project findings to you know reach every corner of of canada northern communities remote communities basically everywhere no it's amazing how and again it's you know it's a school project uh and i don't want to downplay because it's not like it's a school project in grade eight it's a school (laughs) of engineering project but that can really have real life effects and is that why did you get into it in the first place uh, engineering? Yeah. Uh, you know, I just, you know, I had a great high school teacher. Um, I, I, I grew up in a very small school. I grew up, uh, there was about 60 kids that I went to uh, kindergarten through grade 12 with. Uh, you know, I got, got some great relationships with teachers and one in particular, my math teacher. And basically, you know, he's like, you know, I think engineering is, is for you. And, you know, I've, I've honestly never looked back. I don't have a great grand story, but uh, that's that's basically how I got into engineering. Uh, and, and is there what what's what's your end goal? What would you like to do? Uh, my end goal, you know, I've, I've done a few work terms in the energy industry. And, you know, I think the energy industry is going to transform in, in a very positive way, specifically in Canada in the next decade. And, you know, being part of that um, and to kind of foster that transition in, you know, an inclusive and environmentally conscious way is, is something that I'd like to be part of. You know, we're, we spent the day, it's Earth Day, talking about uh, with different folks, different industries that are trying to do what they can. And I, I always like to ask everybody at the end, uh, is your glass half full? Or are you are you optimistic? And usually young people are fairly optimistic, so I'll hope you're optimistic. If you're not, we're in big trouble. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But but uh, you, you talk about the future, your glass is half full, I'm assuming? Yeah, I, I, I think so, yeah. Uh, well, listen, uh, Austin, thanks so much for your time tonight. We really appreciate it. And uh, how, let me ask you, how much does a conversion kit cost? Like how much is it, the one, at least the one you've put together so far and you, you've outfitted the ATV? 
you know, we, we kind of had to go with uh, a little bit of take what we can get instead of, you know, having a little bit of time to shop around just because of the supply chain issues and, you know, some price overages. But in total, it was, it was approximately $7,000. And a large majority of that on the batteries. And like I said, you know, as, as better battery technology continues to advance, as, you know, um, the demand for these things start to go up, you know, there's going to be new competitors entering the market. It's going to make this technology cheaper in the future. So I think, you know, it's only up from here. No, and I would think too, with the price of, uh, of gas and everything else, uh, you would think that and once you look, uh, you know, whatever the cost of the conversion kit is, with it's 3,500, it doesn't take long to help pay for itself. No, no, absolutely not. Uh, Austin, thank you so much for your time tonight. Congratulations. Great job. And uh, I have a hunch I'll be hearing about you down the road. Sounds good. I hope so.